I want people to know that if you stick with this and if you keep pushing yourself and you keep trying and you align yourself with people that encourage you, you can thrive in this field. What I can tell you is that data science needs everyone. We need men, we need women, we need people of different colors, background, ethnicities, languages. We need to have everyone in this field. What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Artists of Data Science podcast. My goal with this podcast is to share the stories and journeys of the thought leaders in data science, the artists who are creating value for our field through the content they're creating, the work they're doing, and the positive impact they're having within their organizations, industries, society, and the art of data science as a whole. I can't even begin to express how excited I am that you're joining me today. My name is Harpreet Sahota, and I'll be your host as we talk to some of the most amazing people in data science. Today's episode is brought to you by Data Science Dream Job. If you're wondering what it takes to break into the field of data science, check out dsdj.co forward slash artists with an S for an invitation to a free webinar where we'll give you tips on how to land your first job in data science. I've also got a free open mastermind Slack community called the Artists of Data Science Loft that I encourage everyone listening to join. I'll make myself available to you for questions on all things data science and keep you posted on the bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting for our community. Check that out at artofdatascienceloft.slack.com. Community is super important and I'm hoping you guys will join the community where we can keep each other motivated, keep each other in the loop on what's going on with our own journeys so that we can learn, grow, and get better together. Let's ride this beat out into another awesome episode and don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, love, rate, and review the show. Our guest today is someone who put out some of the best content I've seen during her hashtag 100 days of code. She got her start in data analysis, analyzing crime data in SPSS. Yes, SPSS. Since then, she's found that her passion lies in health informatics. Or should I say, health informatics found her. She's got a ton of experience in the healthcare industry, developing data-driven analytical strategies for companies such as Innovative Oncology Business Solutions, Lovelace Health Systems, Respect, and is currently contributing her data science expertise as an institutional researcher at the University of New Mexico. You may know her from LinkedIn, where she crafts some of the most insightful posts, sharing her story, journey, and data science knowledge. And I respect her tremendously for being completely unafraid to call our industry out on its shortcomings. So please help me in welcoming our guest today, the soon-to-be proud holder of a PhD in biomedical informatics, the future Dr. Angela Baltes. Angela, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here with us today. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time. Oh, no problem. I'm happy to have you uh, interview me. So so let's talk about your journey and talk about how you went from criminology to data science. My path to data science was nonlinear. I started as a criminology major. Uh, the first data set I analyzed was using SPSS. Uh, and I remember, this was in 2007, I remember feeling totally lost. <laughs> But uh, yeah, 
the criminology major was actually very heavy on statistics and it was very heavy on like uh, social uh, theory and crime theory and why people do what they do. So I feel that that gave me a pretty good foundation. And then after that degree, I moved into public administration. So the skills start to build on one another. Public administration taught us how to think critically, how to analyze uh, peer-reviewed journals, how to comprehend them. Oh, also presentation skills. So that in that degree program, we were um, encouraged to present. And I remember there's a class in which I was presenting some work that I did. And I guess I was mumbling. <laughs> and you hear that person in the back speak louder. I lost it from there. I started stuttering and lost my train of thought. But it was it was good practice. So it was something that I needed. Um, and then from there, after my public administration degree, I moved into technology because I, I wanted to work in technology. I really enjoyed uh, when I did work in technology. I had an internship at Sandia National Laboratories, and I found that I like this field. So I, I decided to switch, and I uh, pursued a degree in information technology. And after I graduated 2014, I've been working in analytics ever since. Yeah, the first job that I uh, started working in, one of the first jobs was health analytics. And from there, I went and pursued biomedical informatics. So uh, that that's how I got started in this field. I kind of fell into it, but the skills gradually built on one another. Awesome to see how you've taken all those skills that you've acquired over the, the course of your career and, and really applied it during a freaking 100 days of code, which I thought <laughs> was really awesome. You know, I've seen a lot of people do this 100 days of code, but I, I really liked your content. Can you just talk to us about uh, what inspired you to take on that challenge? This is one of the first times, like, uh, to me, I kind of viewed it as like a viral challenge. You know, remember the ice ice bucket challenge? Was that what it was called? I, I viewed this as like, okay, it's the ice bucket challenge, but you're actually doing something for yourself. And so I was watching what people were posting about their 100 days of code journey, and uh, they were they were gaining something from it. And they continued on, and the people that finished seemed to... Um, I just assumed that, wow, they, they feel good about themselves. They accomplished something. They've learned something. They challenged themselves. They pushed themselves out of that comfort zone. And that's what inspired me to do it because um, I was feeling, I was feeling that imposter syndrome pretty strongly last year in 2019. Every place that I worked, I found that there was something I didn't know about data science and it bothered me. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I could do something about it. So I used that coding challenge to do something about how I felt about my skill set. You need to find some way to, to wrestle that kind of fear, wrestle that imposter syndrome to push you from behind rather than to stand in front of you. And it really is in that zone where you're, where you're feeling that discomfort, where you're feeling the agitation that a lot of the, the growth really happens, both you know professionally and personally. So it's awesome that, that you found some way to power through that and let that be a positive factor rather than you know a derailment. But could you walk me through the process for how you laid out the 100 days? Did you have it all planned out from the beginning? or did you kind of just pick the topic the day of? I had a general sense of what I wanted to focus on beforehand. I knew I wanted to focus on my 
overall Python coding skills. I wanted to focus on like uh, general machine learning. And so I uh, spent some time online and I picked some courses that I, that I thought were interesting that would um, help me to gain some of that knowledge I felt I was lacking. I also did two Udacity uh, nano degrees. So I did the machine learning engineer nano degree and the data scientist nano degree in the midst of like all the books that I purchased and uh, all the courses I signed up for. So I, I had a general list of things that I wanted to study. Oh, that's awesome. That's good to have a plan to kind of lay it out for yourself and say, okay, cool. Now I know where I'm going. So that's awesome. Yeah, I just felt that uh, if I kind of picked it the day of, I, I didn't like not having some structure. What day was your favorite? Was there a particular day that stands out? Day 96 stands out to me because at that time, things were really starting to form up. And it's like, it like came to a head like, wow, I, I did all this. I learned all this. And I actually put together my dissertation proposal. And uh, there was something about having that PowerPoint document along with all the writing that I was doing. In addition to the classes I was taking, it, it just felt like this is what I've done. This this is the final product. And I just felt just over the moon. That's awesome. It must be a good feeling to just make it that far. And you're like, all right, almost to the end. That, that, and I had something to show for it. That was, yeah. that was a great feeling. So, all right, let's keep it real. Out of the 100 days of code, <laughs> was there one day or one topic that you were putting off for as long as possible? I, I didn't totally understand hyperparameter tuning uh, that well. So um, I think I was putting that off because it was, it didn't, it, I, I understood it in theory, but it didn't totally make sense how I did it. Like, how, what way do I do it? Um, is there a method to it? And so I, I, I hated it only because I didn't really understand it. I, I recently just took another boot camp um, by Data Science Dojo. They were in Albuquerque and they explained these things. And having someone in class explain it to you and like show you examples and walk you through and answer questions when you're stuck, that was really, really helpful for me. Are you an aspiring data scientist struggling to break into the field? Well, then check out dsdj.co forward slash artists to reserve your spot for a free informational webinar on how you can break into the field. That's going to be filled with amazing tips that are specifically designed to help you land your first job. Check it out. dsdj.co forward slash artists. How did you stay engaged and, and disciplined during that 100 days? Like, were there days where you're just like, ah, oh, fuck it up, I, I want to quit? And, and, and how yes. do you power through that feeling? Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I hate to start something and never finish. Like, it nags at me. I don't feel right with myself. So I've powered through those days in which I really wanted to just give up because, uh, one, I felt committed because I was posting this on LinkedIn every day. And people were inboxing me, asking me about the challenge. So I felt like I owed it to myself and I owed it to other people that were watching me to finish. Uh, plus, I hate being, you know, I hate quitting something before I, you know, halfway through. Plus, I knew that once I got through the other side, I'd feel better. Better, and I knew I'd get something from it. So I, I just stuck through it just because of those things. I wanted to prove that I could start something and finish something. There you go, man. I love that. If you don't mind, I wanted to want to know if, if we can get into a little bit about uh, emotional intelligence. I yeah. Love that you're, you're bringing this to the forefront of the conversation with a lot of the posts you're doing on LinkedIn. What's your take on, on data scientists 
uh, needing emotional intelligence? The way I see it is when I started my career, it's always been about the algorithms and what you know technically and uh, how much you can grind away with um, creating great solutions. It's never been brought up to me that there is a great deal of your role that will be dealing with people and that will be working with others. Very rarely will you never interact with people. And I actually found out learning how to work with people well, that will set you apart as a data scientist. I feel that we as a community should start also incorporating soft skills because they're not talked about, but they are actually totally necessary for you to continue and to thrive in this field. Yeah, absolutely agree with that, right? Because there's always going to be somebody who knows one more algorithm than you. There's always going to be somebody who knows how to optimize a bit of code just a little bit better than you can. But it's what you bring to the table, you know, from the human side that really is going to create that chasm between you and the competition. That's exactly. It. And it didn't occur to me until very recently. Yes, you you need to have those technical skills. You also need to have you also need to know how to work with people to uh, understand how your actions affect others on the team. To really, I don't want to say you know smooth and kiss butt or anything, but you have to understand the human element a little bit more than it you know than I even realized when I started this field. Yeah. So kind of kind of piggybacking on that. I saw a post you made recently on LinkedIn, which I absolutely loved about some of the skills this new generation of data scientists are struggling with. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one thing that I've struggled with when I first started was knowing your audience, knowing how to present to that particular audience, knowing when to scale back and knowing when to give them exactly what they want to know. Some audiences just want to know the bottom line uh, show them their uh, the PowerPoint presentation, make it su- succinct, get to the point. Some audiences, you can go into details about the methods you chose to get to your solution or the algorithms. Some audiences uh, might need an Excel spreadsheet. So I actually, when I started, I had no idea when to say what. I just was like, here's this paper. It's awesome. Read it. And some people <laughs> just aren't interested in that. Yeah. So you ha- you have to know when to present what to who. That takes some practice, honestly. It takes a little bit of finesse and you'll make mistakes. Also, uh, aligning your skill set with the business. That is like critical. You can have a cool algorithm that does nothing for the business. It adds no business value. So knowing how to bridge that is pretty key. So uh, one thing I've learned is, you know, sit in some business meetings, do some research on the company, do some research on how they make their money, how they've made their money, align your skills with those needs, find out what their pain points are. When I started, like I said, I had no idea. I was like, all right, we're going to just do some cool machine learning. It's going to be awesome. And not everyone's interested in that if it doesn't do anything for them. Yeah, you always got to tie it back to the bottom line because, you know, your job as a data scientist really is to to solve problems, to help the company either make more money or reduce costs. Uh, It's not necessarily just to sit there and, and look up the coolest algorithms, unless, you know, you're in a research position. But one thing that I I like that you talked about, because I I struggle with it at times too, is uh, when it comes time to present findings, I'm like, why aren't you interested in all the the cool math I did 
behind the scenes. What are you talking about? You don't want to, you don't want, you're not interested in the math. Yeah. So that, that's, that's something yeah, you that's, can, that I've struggled with. Yeah, I've seen people glaze over. And so I'm like, Oh no, I've lost them. Um, yeah. And by that time you're scrambling and you're panicking. And so kind of gauging your audience before you walk into that room, Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, develop your presentation around who you know is going to be there. That say, because kind of like shattering your confidence shakes you. And, yeah. you know, looking at people just like drooling and I yeah. hate that. And so yeah. I'm like, oh God, they don't like it. So mm-hmm. just gauging that. That's awesome advice. Yeah. Uh, do you have any tips for networking on LinkedIn that you'd like to share with our listeners? Really, what I've done is um, I have, you know, uh, posted on other people's um, posts. And I've, I've engaged with other data scientists. And when I've engaged with people, I'll add them. A lot of the times, if you've already engaged with someone, they'll accept your uh, request. You know, look at what types of things people post. Uh, I like to connect with people that are adding content that's meaningful and useful. Yeah, we're a big community. Just engage and request, you know, connections. That's what I've done. I've, my my uh, network has really grown just because of that. What's up, artists? Check out our free open mastermind Slack channel, the Artists of Data Science Loft at artofdatascienceloft.slack.com. I'll keep you posted on the bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting, and it's a great environment and community for all of us to talk all things data science. Look forward to seeing you there. So do you think that when somebody sends a request to connect, should they include a personalized message? A personalized message is nice. Um, I, I always appreciate those. I have accepted requests that did not have personalized messages. Just because I looked at their profile, I saw that they post quite a bit. I see what type of work they've done. I see that they're obviously um, involved in the data science field. So I would say add a message. Adding a message will probably... Uh, get someone's attention and it will be appreciated. Uh, But I don't think it's a a guarantee necessarily. Do you have any tips for our listeners on how to present findings and how to develop projects that add business value and address the bottom line? So yes, um, what I have found is if you're not in business meetings, and I know that a lot of data scientists dread being in meetings all day because that takes away time from developing something. But I would recommend sitting in on some business meetings when possible. Um, Also doing research on the company, doing research on their uh, products, doing research on um, their history, how they used to make their money. Also finding out what the pain points in your organization are. Like I said, when I started, people would be like, hey, go and do this thing. And I would just go and do it and not even really think about it. But I encourage you to think about how to help this company um, make more money, reduce costs, um, align resources, excuse me, align resources. And uh, as far as presenting findings, gauge your audience, get an idea of who's going to be in the room. Not everyone wants to hear a lot of details. Sometimes they very to the point PowerPoint uh, presentation is necessary depending on who it is that you're talking to. Really, you know, look at that uh, invite list before you go mm-hmm. and develop your presentation around who will be there. I was wondering if you could speak to your experience being a, a woman in tech, your involvement with uh, WIDS, and if you have any advice or words of encouragement for our listeners. 
What I can tell you is that data science needs everyone. We need men. We need women. We need people of different colors, background, ethnicities, languages. We need to have everyone in this field. Women, I will say that I've I have had a challenging time, but stick with this. This is it's such a rewarding field. You may have a hard time initially. Align yourself with people that will encourage you. Cut off toxic connections. Sometimes you may land on a bad company. Keep moving. We need everyone and don't feel that you can't contribute just because you're a woman or, you know, you are this color or anything. So so keep at it. And I think that our strength is in numbers, this, the field of data science. And I think our strength is diversity in thought and knowledge and background. How do you find fulfillment outside of work? So I um, try to have hobbies that I do. I, I like to exercise. Um, my husband and I, we hang out. Uh, I really like to uh, watch like uh, cheesy uh 80s cartoons. So I, I just, I, when I'm like not at work, I try to just totally just leave work behind and just do something that I love. And sometimes you know, they're mindless activities like watching 80s cartoons. Right now I'm watching X-Men from oh, the 90s. Love those cartoons. What, what, other, what other 80s cartoons or? or hmm. So yeah, I, I like, I like He-Man yeah. and uh, Thundercats. Thundercats. Did you ever watch uh, DuckTales? I did watch DuckTales. DuckTales Duck and then Chippendales Chip Rescue Rangers. Yeah, those shows yes. are classic, man. Tailspin. Uh, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck. All, oh, man. All those duck cartoons were clutch, man. They were funny. <laughs> they had the best jokes. Yeah. So, so we're going to get into our last question here, then jump into the, uh, the lightning round. But what's the one thing you want people to learn from your story? I want people to know that if you... Stick with this. And if you keep pushing yourself and you keep trying and you align yourself with people that encourage you, you can thrive in this field. It may not always be easy and you may feel imposter syndrome like hardcore. Um, and that will probably be off and on throughout your career as, as this industry just keeps growing and evolving and it's so fast. It's hard to keep up, but stick with it. Uh, it will pay off. And uh, we are a growing field and we're hopefully we'll have some uh, standardization. And uh, right now it kind of feels like the Wild West. Stick with us and it will pay off. So let's go ahead and jump into our uh, lightning round here. Python or R? I really am on team. Team Python, I do appreciate R, but Python. Hmm, awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite <laughs> algorithm? I like Naive Bayes. Uh, I find uh -huh. it to be um, easy to interpret, easy to um, understand, explain to others. Um, it's just one of those algorithms that I find it can work very well with textual data. Mm. And so I use Naive Bayes in my dissertation. I'm always happy with it. So yeah. that's like my go-to. I'll start there. Nice. What's the what's the title or topic of your dissertation? It is analyzing cardiac medical device failures with a machine learning approach. Ah, nice. Look for that in your local academic <laughs> journals, folks. <laughs> Do you have a favorite data visualization tool? I love Tableau. Tableau. I am on Team Tableau so hard. I we use it at work. It's it's intuitive. It's easy to use. They make if you haven't seen like Tableau Public. Uh, mm -hmm. People are just creating the coolest stuff on there. Yeah, yeah like, definitely and some good art. Yeah, coronavirus. So yeah, you know, everyone's doing that. So yeah, yeah. So, 
What would you say your data science superpower is? Hmm, I would say that um, my data storytelling skills are probably my superpower. I like to walk people through things. Mm-hmm. I, I like to just like, I like to build a narrative for you. And, you know, so I like, I love storytelling. I feel like once that, you can see when that light comes on for people and that's, mm-hmm. it's like, yes, they get it. Do you have a favorite data science book? I do. It is ah, a 100-page machine learning book. I love awesome. this book. It's easy to understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well written. So yeah, it's a great this book. isn't not a plug for him, but, you know, it's yeah. a great book. So what's the largest data set that you've worked with? So far, it's been the MAUDE data set, um, M-A-U-D-E, and that was for my dissertation, and that was 13 million records. Working with that was was interesting and challenging, but in healthcare, um, in places I've been in the past, the data sets are generally never that big. Um, and for the university where I'm at now, um, they're also not that big. The populations we deal with are pretty pretty particular. They're small, specific. Where can people find you? How can people connect with you? I am on LinkedIn, Angela, LinkedIn, Angela Baltus. Mm-hmm. And uh, also I have a personal webpage, mm-hmm. um, com. Yeah, those are the two best places to reach me. I use my LinkedIn pretty uh, often. So awesome. either place. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be sure to, to link that into show notes. Angela, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and being so generous with your time. Uh, So much that people can learn from your story. Uh, A lot of great tidbits of wisdom in our chat today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.